Matthew, are, you, are, we, are we ready to go now? We are, we are definitely all set. No, no, no. I've got to tell everybody this. For those of you who don't know, who think Matthew is a sort of absolute podcast pro, this is take two, because just 30 seconds into take one, his PC ran out of battery. So I just want everyone to know that, you know, behind the facade, there's a man who can occasionally slip up. At least I had the sort of foresight to start the recording going. I was really delighted you picked up the mantle to do the podcasting for a change until you, I learned that you hadn't actually turned the recording on for your excellent interview. Well, the hint was in the title. Robin and I are back with another partner's chat. And if you're listening to us on the day this is going to be released, that'll be Sunday, 27th of December, uh, then chances are, I guess, you're into your third day of post-Christmas stupor. So whether you are like David out for a run on your bike or like Nigel doing your ironing, welcome back. Or if you're just looking for a chance to drift off and a little snooze with us plugged into your ears, well, we don't mind that either. But welcome back. Uh, and of course, if this is the first episode you're listening to, then this is slightly different from our normal episodes. Most of the time I'm talking to the leaders and influencers in industry. But now and again, Rob and I like to have a chat and if we can find Paolo, bring him in and together mull over what we're seeing in the world around us. This week, just Robin and I, last time I heard from Paolo, he was stuck on the phone to uh, Santander trying to add some details to our business account. Tell you if you think insurance has got problems with customer service, try phoning your bank. Uh, but with that, let's get back to Robin and I. Robin, what have you been up to today? I guess you, you're a, a great person to talk to about pet insurance as you've now got a new puppy. I've been looking at insurances generally, trying to be as insure-tech friendly as possible. So uh, the new dog, um, we're going to look for, for we're, we're talking to Bought by Money to get that one insured. I think. And then um, I've taken Cora, uh, which I particularly like. All the kids have got Cora, and Cora's already saved some money because Cora notified my son that his MOT was due. So uh, that one's ahead. And now, um, you know, all all point call to anyone who can insure my cottage, which remains empty most of the years, and, and no one seems to want to insure it very much. I think we're going to expand our stretch this coming year. We're going to move into movies, and we're going to call it Insuring the Uninsurable. We managed to, we managed to move from live events into digital events quite successfully, so I really feel we should be uh, taking it to the next level, and we can add your cottage to my tractor and uh, wasn't, didn't you talk to somebody that had a, uh, a big, was it a rig or a mobile home that they were driving around the States and couldn't get yeah. insurance for? It was £350,000 worth of mobile homes currently stranded in Uruguay. Uh, they were doing a world tour and uh, they can't get it back. And it's uninsured, sitting in an eco farm somewhere outside of, I don't know, um, Quito. No, that's in Ecuador. Anyway, um, you have been looking at your insurances. I have, uh, actually. And so on the pet one, I just came across an interesting article on the FT that said somebody had an £8,000 bill for their dog. And it just reminds me, when I was living in the country and our dog had swallowed something and we took it to the vet and he said, well, uh, it's going to cost you £500 to operate on this, but for £50, I'll put the dog down. What would you prefer? <laughs> Good sort of country vet's approach to animals, but I'm pleased to say that we actually paid the money and... 
and operated, but we kind of self-insure for dogs, uh, other pets. And uh, Stephen Mendel, who runs Bought by Many, he, he got himself a customer, but perhaps not at the level of some people are paying. And he said, you know, the minimum you should do, and it's actually very true for a, for a dog, is get liability insurance in case it runs out in the road and causes an accident. So, so yeah, we've actually got our pet insurance down to £9 a year for the dog. Um, but I guess wow. that kind of annual review of expenditure, I was just looking to see what we spend on insurance. And yeah, as you said, just sort of kind of insure tech lens through it and realized yeah, that the grant household net income, about 10%, is spent on insurance across 12 different insurance companies. And I'm sure there's overlap. I did some quick uh, online checking on our policies and found that we could get both the household policy and the motor policy separately at 25% of what we've been charged. So, you know, I think for all the sort of wonderful things happening in the insurtech world, yeah, there's still some massive opportunities out there if we're getting better prices just by going and backing and, and getting repricing. I'm not quite sure that's a a vindication or a validation of you know things changing or it's just the fact that we're all maybe not an active enough to shop around but uh, it's quite quite revealing in terms of the potential cost savings no i always think in motor is uh, quite uh, advanced and all this stuff but but the only policy that i can get that automatically ensures me and my kids sort of into swap the car around as when we need it is still uh, a four-figure sum, and the policy arrives in the post. And and at some point two months ago, it, they triumphantly announced that I would now be able to do some of the things that I've had to do on the phone digitally. I can't help thinking uh, that, that that sort of stuff is driven not by not by the need to please customers necessarily, but but by COVID and and the inability to actually operate in the last. Uh, uh, have I just broken our golden rule? Are we you have, haven't you? We, we, yeah. we, did, we did agree that there's going to be a £10 fine for any mention of COVID in a negative context. So I'll give you a chance to backtrack quickly and put a positive spin on it. Otherwise, you've got £10 no, in the, the kitty. I'll pay the 10 We should actually, to the, you know, to the main business, uh, look at uh, Intertech London uh, this year and, and what were the big sort of themes and influences on us, do you think? And don't mention the word. Well... I guess what worked well for us, wasn't it, is that we moved from having some great bunch of friends, new friends and old friends, uh, once a month getting together and seeing people and being able to maintain the community digitally and and grow it. And actually, you know, had some wonderful events with some great supporters. Uh, and we're, you know, getting, I think the best one we had was 650 people to one of our events. So, I, you know, I wouldn't like to say we thrived in the recent period but we certainly survived and I think come through stronger. I I go further on that I think that there was a good segment of our community who saw the sole value in what we do as the networking and the ability to come down to the steel yard on a Monday night and share a glass of wine with like-minded enthusiasts um, but the fact that we're still signing members and the fact that we have uh, still have a strong following suggests that people see value in in what they see and what they hear and the quality of the content uh, as much as in the networking because because you know we've maintained um strong support even though there's no networking opportunity so so we must have something else other than the ability to have a glass of wine with somebody yeah i mean actually there's no doubt you know when you stand on stage or sit on stage and have to talk to people and you translate it to a digital world it does help in just terms of being able to deal with all of the uh, the wrinkles and bumps in the road of doing live broadcasting, which is you know can, can always be uh, always be challenging. Did you have any any other apart from not turning the, the device on to record any other experiences from 
are events that you're willing to, willing to share or should they all just be uh, buried and forgotten? Not really. I mean, there's a limit to how much one could reveal about one of those known inadequacies in these things. Um, I did do my very first podcast, though. Um, it hasn't come out yet, so you can't judge it. But um, I'm moving gradually into your world. And I, w- I would say that the podcasts and how the uptake of the podcast and how uh, it's enabled us to pick up a global audience would be one of my absolutely big highlights and themes from 2021. Um, which, you know, well done you. So I think part of what we want to discuss today is our analysis of, of 2000 and, and, you know, Insect London and to try and do it in a way that doesn't mention the, our band word. What do you see as the big, big themes? What we're doing is not just about getting people together in an evening and you know, there's some great discussions that happened over a glass of wine and we had some great speakers, but we've really drilled down into finding content and you know, with so much information out there, I, I think it's difficult, and I think it's partly what we've proved, difficult for all types of organizations, whether they're large insurance organizations looking for partners or technologies looking to get their word out. How do you really stand out with all the noise going on? And yet, I guess you and I have got the benefit of being around for a while. We've got no one else to answer to but ourselves, and we can sort of call it as it is. And I think what we've seen is, this, is a, in a natural progression from doing live events that we recorded to actually creating a lot more content and organizing it, yeah, and, and people yeah, are actually valuing that and asking us for more of that. My other highlight would be our move into reports. You're, you've become a world authority on parametric insurance, and your report done down very well. I don't know whether you've got any stats for us, but, but uh, I think that was a move that worked for us. Yeah, and it, what was to prove that concept, really, which is there's a lot of words out there and ideas and that people don't always know how they all fit together in terms of the history. I mean, interesting, interesting about parametric insurance, it's been around for about 20 years. There have been some, you know, there's been like hundreds of millions of dollars on individual transactions, such as uh, the New York Metropolitan Transit Authority for doing a flood bond post Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, really, really big, but there have been some challenges and, I, and it's great to see all the new themes coming through. There's a piece which we can talk a bit more about from our predictions event uh, earlier this week, where you know, the, the feedback is that insurance itself or insurers have lost a bit of trust with what's been happening this year and, and not paying out on some of the business interruption claims. You know whether that's legitimate or not. The point is that people don't trust them anymore, and parametrics are going to be seen as a much more reliable source of payment because it's defined on a pure trigger. So I think there's a number, like all, often there's a case, a number of things moving ahead, and that just you know, tapped into an interest. And um, yeah, we had about um, yeah we didn't quite blow up our servers, but we had a thousand people downloading that report in the first week. And yeah, and very great thanks to Global Parametrics for sponsoring what was also one of our most successful events. And I know, Robin, you are hard at work uh, on your e-placing platforms report that's going to be coming out very soon, we hope. Uh, how's that getting on? Well, if I didn't have to keep coming doing um, podcasts with you, I'd get on and write <laughs> the thing. But um, yeah, the... Uh, it's going on well. I mean, the, 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 the catalyst for it was Lloyd's Blueprint 2 uh, and um, their um, decision that they wouldn't build, you know, one huge utility in the hope that everybody would come uh, and that they would encourage something of a free-for-all uh, in the transactional piece, provided that you can... Uh, hand data off in certain formats and have certain sort of standardized parts of your process. Um, 
So I thought it was a really good time to have a look at who is is in the e-trading space. What's where you know where we've come from, what we've learnt, uh, what's working, uh, and at some stage, um, possibly in this report, possibly another one. You know where we're going because um, I think that there's a gradual move away from uh, platforms that just enable brokers and carriers to transact digitally into platforms which bring in. At the customer and, and the customer is involved um you know from top to bottom and 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 is part of of the the, the technology and uh, and the functionality and i think that uh one of the biggest things for this year is that these things really started to manifest themselves i mean you know that there were a lot of announcements this year which were to that effect yeah i mean i think particularly in a sort of commercial specialty london market space the customer is so rarely mentioned because I think partly because it's a broker market. And so there's a sort of one degree of separation. We're sort of hearing about it a bit more in the retail space. So we should definitely talk a bit more about that. But you've been quite vociferous uh, and outspoken and I, people like that uh, in many, many ways, not not least on the area of platforms. So are you going to go for the juggler in your report? Are we gonna, are we going to sort of see some uh, people in there named and shamed or are you going to be a bit more... Um, a bit more softly uh, i'm not quite sure the written version of softly spoken is but whatever that is is that going to be what we're going to see i put it this way it's going through a lot of drafts um because i keep saying i can't say that no, no i i i think i'm well equipped to look through the history of uh sort of e-placing over the last 20 years and um you know we've learned a lot in that period uh, and i think that uh, what I want to do in this report really is say, look, if we learn from what we from the experiences of the past, and we take advantage of the extraordinary technology that's now available, which certainly wasn't available to us 20 years ago, and we really do try and understand what the customer wants rather than sit quietly in our own environments and do what what we want to do, then we can completely transform this industry. And and all around us, you know, you can't hear anything other than people talk about ecosystems or embedded insurance or. You know, you need the technology to play those games. You can't, you can't sit on some 1988 policy admin system and pay embedded insurance. Yeah, I, I, I know what we do. I think we should offer a free version with a redacted report with all the thick black lines in it, and we'll put the real one behind a paywall. It's going to be our new business you model. You're very naughty now, because over the last few years, you made me behave a lot better than I would have done um, if left to my own devices. And now you're encouraging me to return to my old ways. Uh, we don't. I mean, we don't totally want to lose the, the Robin uh, that we all know. Um, but on on the customer side, who, who's what's your favourite example or one of your favourite examples where you've seen that coming to the fore in the last few months? Um, if I could name one single proposition that I really liked, I would name Cora. Uh, I talked about it earlier, but but I mean, uh, you know, I sent that to all my children's to children my children who sent it to their friends who immediately go well why didn't we think of that i always think there's something very um powerful about that and, and our core of embedded the insurance part of that 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 truly you know is a in terms of sort of announcements during the year i go back to my embedded ecosystem theme i thought the uh ice and Shortech munich re john lewis partners announcement uh, of, of rethinking um, home insurance for John Lewis customers uh, you know that's a tech that's a that's a tech play again uh, and in that category I, I think from a sort of commercial point of view yesterday or the day before's announcement um, of, of parcel uh, the new syndicate the private 
public cooperation involved in putting together something to ensure the world's vaccines using you know smart contracts iot uh, devices all the things that you know i've been banging on for a long time even dlt god bless dlt um it's back it's, they're back they're all back on the agenda uh for a, for what looks like to be a really smart uh solution to a problem um you know that that had to be solved and had to be solved quickly uh, I, I i don't know if you want to comment on this but i still think the best innovations in insurance are being forced on us um partly by circumstance and i'm not mentioning the word but but also by external customers saying this is this is what you have to do and if you don't do it then i'm going to you know do something about it no that not yeah no, that last one was was what we call a covid positive one with the the parcel okay the, uh, transmitting vaccines but i'm going to find you another 10 pounds for using acronyms for dlt for distributed ledger technology because you know we don't like to just have acronyms on here um but on your... <laughs> that one now well yeah you say that um and just but your john lewis one so for those who don't know john lewis who are not in the uk i guess it's like a macy's in the u.s so what was and this is on the theme of embedded insurance so what was really interesting when i was having my exciting wet sunday afternoon looking at insurance was when I bought a laptop from them, because they actually are quite a good place to buy computers, uh, they were offering damage insurance at £40 a year on that, or £80 for two years, which is about £3 a week or £3.30 a week. That expires after two years. But when I went and looked at what it looked at what it would cost to buy that through uh, you know, one of the online insurance offerings, it was £25 a month. So it's almost four, it's like eight times more expensive to buy the insurance independently of buying it at the point of purchase. So you not only do people like John Lewis have the customers and they're right there at the point of purchase to buy the insurance, they're offering it at a significantly cheaper rate. So yeah, I mean, that is absolutely going to be the future of insurance. But if you go on Amazon now, I notice you can actually, you'll, they'll offer you insurance with one of the leading insurance companies as you go. So uh, I, I don't think any insurance company that isn't figuring out how to create partnerships like you know, Swiss Re and others are doing or Munich Re is going to get left well behind. Oh, for sure. I, no, I, I agree. It was interesting uh, with our predictions. Uh, uh, quite a lot of predictions went along that route. Um, or, you know, if, if John Lewis can do it for home insurance, where does that leave someone like Amazon? I mean, it's obvious that they can start to insure um, products that they sell uh, and then provide sort of embedded gadget insurance or whatever it happens to be. But you know, John Lewis aren't doing that. And the other one, of course, was Ikea. Uh, you know, if you, these are all trusted brands. Uh, they all understand data. They're all trying to add additional services to um, a, a, you know, a product set in which they've become established. Um, Daimler and, and Mobinx and uh, Swiss Re, these are all, these are, this is a massive theme. It really is. You know, you're selling this insurance at the point, point of sale. And it, I don't think it just applies to insurance, if the parcel thing is right. Yeah, well, I, I do worry with IKEA that there's going to add another 15 minutes to the journey to get to the Billy bookcase when you're going to have to walk past all the financial products they're, they're offering in there. Uh, but I mean, I think also that Amazon one, it, yeah, everyone has been talking about Amazon coming in and we get it. But it's also to your point earlier about, getting access to your information. If you want to find out what you bought or what your package is with Amazon, you go in, it's right there in front of you. 
And so just the very fact you can track your policies and see what's happening. And, you know, that's geared up towards that level of customer engagement. And actually that, you know, our predictions event, which, you know, we should talk about that in a minute, but it was, I think, the, the most efficient crowdsourcing of predictions you could do in an hour of 20 brilliant people. Um, but the, one of the themes that came out from that was that people are going to be, or probably do trust non-insurance brands to sell them insurance more than they do insurance brands to sell them insurance. I mean, that is a, a big problem for the industry if that's the way people are perceiving who they're going to go and buy their financial protection from. Well, you asked me not to you know, beat up on the insurance industry too much, but, but, but we haven't done ourselves m- many favours this year. You know, that I'm, I'm convinced that the emergence of parametrics is a, is a reaction to um, the need to create trust and, and certainty. Uh, and uh, we've mentioned Amazon far too many times, but, but you know, that in an environment where if you buy something that you didn't, isn't what you want or you don't like and you return it, no questions asked, is a, is a brand that creates consumer support, trust and belief. And if they came, if they come out with an insurance product, people will buy it without a, without a moment's hesitation. They'll buy it because they believe. Um, I, I do worry that this sort of trusted brand meets uh, extraordinary ability to to make use of the data, captures the customer, provides much of the value, provides enormous leverage, leaving the insurance industry providing regulated capital to possibly involve in the pricing of the risk and you know down at that highly commoditized um game which requires a lot of scale and and not much fun i mean that that, that would worry me if i was working for a big insurer well and then you add that to you know, the corporate world where you know we can talk about some examples where they're realizing that if they're going to buy insurance they've got big capital themselves to draw upon i mean they've been using captives for a while but is now becoming a board level decision rather than a risk manager decision. And then you look at what Chubb is doing, for example, with Chubb Studio, where they're essentially providing uh, a full package to, for a big corporate that wants to go and sell insurance to just you know, link into their distribution systems. And yeah, for the insurers that aren't working with the direction of travel, they are, they're gonna, really going to struggle. Uh, and you know, Google did a really interesting study a couple of years ago that they presented on where they demonstrated that if you had the right criteria that people wanted to buy insurance on, you know, in terms of speed of purchase and coverage, they could get 50% of people to go for an unbranded product rather than that they're on the branded product. So yeah, I mean, I think, you know, all the money that goes on advertising in, in insurance uh, is, is going to be wasted if they can't, if it doesn't deliver and compete with, with the other people coming in. Uh. So um, we're, we're, we're coming off the high of our predictions uh, party uh, earlier in the week, which was, a, which was a great success. You mentioned it earlier. Um, and for those who don't know, we asked 20 of the great and good from the insurance innovation space to give us uh, a suggestion as to what might happen in 2021. Matthew is busy writing an article and, and taking the highlights of that. What, what was your, what was your favourite uh, prediction? Because we've had some in writing as well as the some we had on the night. There was an interesting comment that Robert Lumley made from InsureTech Gateway. He sort of turned the question around and, and back to us in a different way. So he said, he said, what is the direction of travel? You know, the risk of making predictions is, I think you can predict things, but actually it, things take, often take more than a year to change. So he was very much, you know, what's already happening and what's going to we are going to see making a real difference next year. To me, everyone's been talking about it, but I think we are going to see climate change, 
become much more personal. And it may not happen next year, but I can see this is where we're heading, where particularly if you sort of look at younger generations, they're going to be looking at their personal carbon footprint. And we're going to start seeing com- not as companies, but families wanting to measure their carbon footprint. You know, it's going to move from the kind of Instagram generation about looking great on Instagram to people talking about what their own personal consumption is or carbon consumption is. And so I think that's going to drive a lot of things that are already being driven by things like ESG and you know, environmental societal governance reporting and just the increase in risk from climate change. So climate change, but actually from a much more urgent and new set of constituents are going to be making buying decisions increasingly in the years to come. How about you? I believe in yours. I really do in the sense that uh, I think it comes from the top and it comes from the, the bottom. Uh, I think that increasingly people um, will, investors will want to know that insurance companies are um, ESG uh, friendly uh, and, and will seek metrics. I see there are companies now um, starting to provide indices and, and ratings of, of you know, the large corporates as to how uh, environmentally friendly they are and, and you know, based on their, their targets and all the big tech companies all have targets as to when they will go um, carbon neutral and so on. Uh, um, so, so, I, and I, so I think, and then I think, you know, customers will, investors will, I mean, when you and I cast around for what should our themes be for 2021, ESG came up time and time again. Uh, I, I, it's going to be, it's not yet, but, but I would have thought by the end of 2021, you know, people really have to have a plan. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, well, it's a regulatory requirement and it's, and it's all over the governance. I mean, I did a non-exec director's deployment this year and it's a big part of that is what, you know, what are people reporting on it and actually genuinely doing. Um, but Rob, you mentioned in, in sort of investment in passing there, uh, you found a kind of interesting technique for uh, winning new business when you've been taking for people for walks around Hyde Park. And uh, I haven't heard this directly from somebody, but uh, are you sort of walking them around Hyde Park until they basically give in and, and sign sign the deal? Is that your new strategy for, for working with people? Well, I, I don't know what it was, but for several months, I wasn't making much progress in, in persuading people of the value of corporate membership. Uh, and I wondered whether, you know, my techniques uh, for what they are were, were best face-to-face. So I took to meeting people at, at um, Marble Arch Tube at five, in five o'clock in the evenings, uh, even during lockdown, and then walking around Hyde Park. It takes an hour to get around Hyde Park. Uh, and, and if they hadn't signed a deal by the end of the first hour, then I started again. Um, that, that worked for most people. But then unfortunately, there's lots of good pubs on the north side of um, Park there. Uh, where we were able to go and, and, and we were a bit thirsty by then. So, and I'm still doing those. So, so I now do them from embankment. Uh, I have sort of um, advisory meetings that start from embankment and end at Borough and then, and then come back again. Uh, it, it means I can combine my exercise with uh, looking after the future interests of Intertech London. That's great. It's very Steve, Steve Jobs like that as well. So, uh, and, and of course, I mean, we're very grateful for... Holly and Simon support, you know, when we get the clients on board, you know, now to sort of look after them as well. I mean, I would say we've doubled down on our investment in looking after people because as we all know, you can, you can sort of sell somebody in a concept, but actually if you can't deliver on it, then uh, yeah, a year later, they're kind of not really interested, but you know, we've been delighted for all the support we've had with people coming back and, and actually asking for more. I mean, we couldn't have done 26 events this year if we hadn't had people supporting us from it. And actually Boulder Cat's been really pleased with uh, 
you know, who, who turned up and the introductions and things they got on the back of it. So yes, what starts with the walk around Hyde Park ends up somewhere much you know, bigger and broader and ends up broadcasting to the world. So yeah, great place to start. No, I, and I, I think um, I look back on the sort of shambling amateur organisation that was five years ago and it, I, I don't recognise very much. I'm talking of um, global reach uh, your podcasts are doing incredibly well. They're still an absolute highlight. Every time I talk to someone, they go, oh, I know you guys. I know. I, I listen to Matthew's podcast. Um, uh, have you got you, you got any metrics for us? How they, how they perform this year? Uh, yeah, we've doubled the, the download since last year, and um, we're just about to release our next quarterly leaderboard. And as we saw yesterday, Robin, when we looked at the report on what is the spiking of interest in our website? Well, first of all, what's interesting is actually people are going to the website and actually reading, you know, the great Q&A that we produce alongside for the podcast. So people who, you know, don't have time or don't want to listen to podcasts and want the highlights can get that. And we're getting hundreds of people reading them. But, but also we saw the spike was when we produce our leaderboard, we get a lot of people going on to the, uh, the site to see where they are in the leaderboard. So clearly, you know, even for the 15 people we we put in the leaderboard there's a lot of interest from those but you also came across a really interesting statistic we are the uh, not just the top insurance podcast but the top technical podcast in uh, in one country in the world aren't we uh, that was one of my highlights of the year we, we had a, a, an email in from someone who'd been doing google analytics uh, to ask to tell us that if we case we didn't know that we are the third most downloaded technology podcast in azerbaijan um, I, I, I have no idea. We haven't done the metrics on how many downloads that represented. I think that says a lot for the quality of the technology and infrastructure in Azerbaijan, probably. But um, who knew? I mean, I knew we had a global audience, but I, I, I'm a fan club in Azerbaijan, and I didn't see that coming. No, I'll take it. I'll take it. But just, you know, as we kind of bring this to a close, what other high points are there for the year from you? I've been banging on about the need to get digital for 20 years this it's you know it's partly the circumstances in which we find ourselves but but i i'm i don't want to overdo uh the effects of the word that i can't mention um but but i really see things happening now uh i mean if i could identify one thing that you know fills my heart with joy it's seeing companies like parcel uh, um, with these completely new models, which are device and IoT orientated, using all these technologies that you and I have been trying to promote over the years. I see Shepherd, um, you know, doing great things in in the commercial property world. Again, by the way, driven by ESG, you know, because they're because they're as good at at uh, reducing the energy uh, usage and and, and optimising the efficiency of the building. As they are at ensuring and risk mitigating, and then, and then you look at Concirus, uh, you know, who've made huge headway this year in IoT-related uh, and, and 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 sort of data-related uh, marine insurance. Lots of people, several people, now providing uh, hull war insurance um, automatically. You know, as soon as you go into a zone, you get you get. Um, you get your insurance and you get paying for a premium. That those things which have been talked about, you know, three or four years, 
are starting to um, embed themselves in the mainstream. You know, not everyone will use them, but they are um, being used uh, and people can't any longer hide from the fact there's some sort of insurtech bedsit driven thesis. Insurtech is is coming of age such that we don't really even need to talk about insurtech anymore. I mean, I, I feel like it's, I feel like innovation is no longer a startups game, probably. Yeah, we've won the battle, I think, to a certain extent. I mean, if in a sense that that word doesn't exist anymore, it sort of implies it's just mainstream and that's actually should be a good thing. My high point is there's lots of examples of this but thematically, I see a much clearer distance between those that get it and move fast. You know, there's some of the organizations you've mentioned, but also I'd add someone like Parametrics Insurance or Blink. I mean, by chance, they happen to be Parametric, but who, you built a, built a concept, delivered against it. You know, Blink have actually tapped into the new world of open banking data to figure out where, where businesses are not generating revenue and make a payment on that. Parametrics Insurance in 18 months stood up a a way of providing insurance for network downtime, just moving really fast and working with partners who actually get it. And I think your point about Cora earlier on, you know, they've got, I think, seven mainstream insurers backing them because they just get it and they've been looking around. And when they see something they know is going to work, they do it. And I think both you and I have had experience, and fortunately, it's moving in the right direction of organizations of all shapes and sizes who see what we're doing and get it and support us. And some surprisingly don't and think they can carry on doing it the old-fashioned way, and uh, yeah, sadly, a few of those have formed by the wayside. So I think thematically, I think we're in a much things are moving much faster now than they were 12 months ago, and people are you know, even getting confidence by things that things that work. So that's our high points. How about the um, the low points or the low points that we're willing to share in public? My single worst 45 minutes uh, was indisputably my Q and A with um, Serge Carell at Wacam. Uh, where I asked him to kind of tell us about Wacam and where it was going on a Zoom call, which I was going to record and turn into a, a, a Q&A. Uh, and I did the whole thing and then I forgot to record it. So I've kind of uh, managed to rescue something from my memory and some very notes that were shared with me, but, but my heart went cold and I knew then that I'd been a complete idiot. That was my low point by miles. Well, I think you salvaged it with a, with a great report, which people like. And uh, I mean, and also such a great another example of an organization that has you know, evolved and moved fast and providing different types of insurance and a delight to work with. So I think you got away with that one. Um, I, 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 come on, what's yours? I, I, <laughs> well, I'm a consummate professional podcaster. Yeah, I know, exactly. So you set yourself in a pinnacle and then you can just fail. So mine was when I was staying with my mother where it turned out, I didn't know at the time, but her Wi-Fi was a bit shaky and we were doing an event and uh normally i'm very careful to unplug the telephones this time i'd forgotten to unplug a telephone telephone went off she walked behind me unplugged answered the phone and then fortunately the wi-fi went down but you know we recovered from it and uh it was a successful event you know and i think you know sometimes you just gotta be a bit human on these things and just roll with it frankly uh, I guess if you know we're going to be releasing this podcast the 27th of December, so I don't think anyone's going to be listening to it, Robin. So um, we're probably fine if it doesn't record. It's been a good conversation, but um, but no, otherwise you just got to make make the best shot. And we do, you know, we're very grateful for Arena working behind the scenes as well, to, and Pete with the editing to make the stuff work well. There's been frankly so much bad content out there that I think we've all got to work hard and keep working hard to make it original and fresh and, and high quality. I think that's a good place to end it. I mean, I think for 2021, all of us in the in the 
um, world of creating uh, virtual events and that we had to have a rethink. And I think that we'll be judged in 2021 by how good our ideas are and how we can refresh the pot um, in what we do. And, and, and uh, you know, let's back ourselves. Let's go out and do something weird and wacky in 2021, see what we can come up with. Yeah, there's one thing we know, it's going, to be, it's going to be different. Well, I mean, you and I can carry on for a long time, but, but we should let our one listener go and, and put his or her feet up and, and relax and enjoy the, the rest of the break. Uh, good. Well, we've got some great people coming up soon. We, you mentioned the predictions event, so we're actually going to produce that as the, uh, the next podcast coming out, the highlights from the prediction event. So you'll get, you know, anybody listening will get some fantastic insights into the year ahead and the year that's been. And I'll just do my, my, I'll get on and work with my report. If you want to know what the, what the future of e-trading and platforms is, coming soon. Go and do your homework. Good. Okay. Cheers, Matthew. Happy Christmas. Bye. Bye. You too. Well, congratulations for making it to the end. Now, you probably don't need to hear too much more from me, but just wanted to say, look out for the highlights of our predictions event, which is going to come next week. That was really excellent. Uh, And of course, as always, if you are an insurer and you've got some questions about what is going on in the world of innovation or who you should partner with and you're interested in becoming a corporate member, then please do get in contact Matthew Grant on LinkedIn or hello at Instec London. And of course, we are also working with many of the leading technology firms, medium and large, some even some small. Uh, So if you want to share your stories and find your next clients, then also please do get in contact. With that, thank you very much for listening to us and we look forward to speaking to you again and hopefully maybe even seeing you in the flesh in 2021.